You're about to enter another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. A journey into the wondrous land of imagination. Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and today I am joined once again by podcast favorite author Rachel Harrison to talk about one of our favorite things in the entire world, The Twilight Zone. Hello. I'm so excited to be here talking about The Twilight Zone. I'm so happy that you asked me. Yeah, we talked about this uh, last time you were on, and I was very excited to reach out and like plan this and pick books and episodes. And it was really fun to go back and rewatch some of these. It's always any excuse to watch The Twilight Zone and just to be able to think critically about the episodes and and pairing the books. It, it, this has just been so much fun. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm very excited to hear you talk about some of these because some of these I saw like the episode and book choice and I was like, oh, my gosh, that is perfect. I cannot wait to hear. Thank you. you. As, as a nerd, I agree that they're perfect and it brings me such joy. This is like peak nerddom and I love it. What is your history with the show? So I can't – I was trying to think about – what the first episode I ever saw was. And I have very like distinct memories of sitting and watching episodes, but I can't like place them in time. I remember, I think the first episode I ever saw was The Lateness of the Hour. And I started watching the marathons every um, 4th of July and every New Year's Eve. And from there, I watched all of the – I've seen them all. Uh, I think I went through and watched them chronologically at some point. Um, but yeah, I've, it's kind of just been a part of my life for as long as I can remember, like since I was a kid. Um, and yeah, I have like Rod Serling artwork everywhere. And Oh, I, I think just, I've – yeah, I've seen that. I love that. Yeah, I have a really nice poster – and then um, I have a Twilight Zone VHS lamp. And then um, for Christmas last year, my husband gave me a notebook, like a little journal. And on it, there's the alien writing from To Serve Man. And shamefully, it took me a second to be like, what, what is this? It's like, oh my God, it's To Serve Man. Um, but it's, it's like too precious to write in. So I just kind of have it on display. Do you think you would have been able to figure out the Rory Gilmore present from Logan in season seven, where Logan gives her the rocket and it's from the long morrow? I don't know if I would have figured out the Logan rocket just because Logan sucks so much. Like, Thank you. Like, I don't. I wouldn't expect such a thoughtful gift yeah. from Logan. I guess, yeah, he doesn't really do things that are thoughtful. He's just kind of quippy. Um, what's your history with the Twilight Zone? Definitely the July 4th marathons. Um, my dad kind of, I guess, always knew I was a bit of a spooky kid. And so I think he was always like suggesting things that he thought I would like. Um, and back when Netflix had a queue and had like DVDs, you had to like physically request in the in the mail. 
you know, he would kind of try to find something for all of us and he would pick like Alfred Hitchcock movies for me. Cause he's like, Oh, if you like, like spooky things, I really think you would appreciate this. And he showed me the twilight zone. And I think the first episode I ever saw was living doll, which is like, if you're a horror kid, <laughs> way to start off. <laughs> way to start off. No wonder you have a doll. <laughs> you're sensitive to dolls. Yeah. Traumatized me uh in the best way though i was like what is this show i love it i'm obsessed and when i was re-watching for this episode i was watching it downstairs and my kids saw a few of the episodes and they were mesmerized by the opening credits they're like what is this so. they're probably like shocked to see the black and white too because yeah. even when i was a kid in the 90s i was like it feels like from a- another time the black and white is just so striking. It almost feels like forbidden. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's not something that they they see often. It's just so beautiful. And so many of the episodes, I'm just like, perfection. Every single, like the minute they finish, I'm like, this is like a perfect episode and a perfect story. And they're timeless too. Like they all, for the most part, they hold up. Mm-hmm. I also asked online what people's favorite episodes were, and I'm sure you can assume in our community what was a top contender, the most mentioned episode among bookish people. Is it To Serve Man? No, it's Time Enough at Last. Oh, that makes sense. See, that one, I don't, that one gives me too much anxiety. That one, like, it's too brutal. For some reason, it's like, it strikes a nerve with me, and I just am like... I can't. I think because I, I wear contacts, and I'm like and glasses, and I'm cannot see without them at all. And I worry a little bit too often about what would happen in an apocalypse situation, if because yeah. I, then I couldn't see, and you're pretty much out of commission then. And so I think it strikes. I think it. <laughs> It's too close to home. I know. And it is one of those things where it's like, oh, you have all the time in the world. You have all these books and like you can do whatever you want now, but you can't. You can't do the one thing that you want to do. Yeah, not even survive. You can't, you can't even, can't even see. read. Yeah. Can't even see beyond that. Yeah. For some reason, that one always like, I think I saw it too young and was like, you know, pushing my glasses up my nose like, oh my gosh. <laughs> This is the worst fate. To serve Anne got mentioned a lot. I have the Beholder, I would say, second most mentioned. Um, And it's a good life. I would say it's probably the third. So I had – so I will say I have I have the Beholder for a read alike. But some of my favorite episodes that I didn't come up with one for were To Serve Man, um, Most Unusual Camera, People Are Like All Over – Nightmare at 20,000 Feet, and then It's a Good Life. I wanted one for that, but I couldn't think of one, even though it did, like I did read the story and watch the episode when I was working on Cackle because of that, like the fear and like trying to appease somebody you're afraid of and that like the way people behave in the episode and the story was kind of how I wanted people to react to Sophie and Cackle. Yeah. Um, so, but it, that episode is terrifying and brutal, and Cackle is a little bit more like, yeah, whimsical. So, oh, I don't know. That's a read alike. We'll add it as a read alike. We'll count it. 
vibes are different. I will say I also tried to think of a read alike for to serve man and I could not think of one. So yeah, other ones that I like that I didn't have read alikes for the after hours. I really like the after hours. Um, will the real Martian please stand up? Which I guess you could probably pick a, a generic like the killer is one of us. Yeah. Story. And then the I know we talked about this last time, the big nostalgic ones. Willoughby and then shoot, what was that one? Is it called like the long walk? The one it's like season he like one. finds his town and mm-hmm. it's yeah i don't know the episode the title of that episode but i just feel like if i like walked back into my childhood town i'd be like i'll keep going things <laughs> that nostalgia i think is a thing of the actually if i could walk into my child i don't think i would like walk around town but i would sit in front of my couch and watch like 90s nickelodeon <laughs> Watch all the the old commercials and eat gushers. Like that yes. would be if, yeah, if Raid? Twilight Zone was in the modern day. That would be my my Willoughby. Yeah, raid your mom's like pantry for yeah. for all the good snacks. Get some like three D Doritos and like Oreo O's, like yeah. Fruitopia. You know, I'm, I like how I like. That would be satisfying. Like that, I think, would scratch the same itch as that like that like guy being like, we're going to play baseball on the field like we used to. <laughs> My dad's going to tell me he's proud of me. Yeah. Our version of that is th- 3D Doritos, <laughs> not being on the internet. The 90s was the utopia. <laughs> we didn't know it at the time. There's so many. I... Like even going through and trying to find ones to watch, I'm like, I love that one. I love that one. I love that one. I don't know. I don't know which one to watch. And I fe- I feel like what I love about like even when they were all on um, Netflix, what I love about the marathon is kind of discover like rediscovering ones that you maybe only watched once or saw when you were young and didn't appreciate, and the randomness because when I'm when I'm in control of which episodes I watch, I kind of go back to the same yeah. ones over and over again. Um, but I really love the marathon because it chooses for you. Yeah. I feel that way about like listening to radio in the car. Like instead of having my Spotify playlist, I'm like, oh, yeah, I do love this song. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to have some some variety. Mm-hmm. We're like talking about going back to like cable. <laughs> yeah. Back to like listening to car radio. Um, but you have a new novel coming out this year. Yeah, I do. Uh, and I would say it's probably um, it's probably my first novel with a little bit of twisty, perhaps, maybe. Um, not Twilight Zone-esque, but maybe something that will make you go, huh, didn't see that coming. Yeah, it's out September 19th. It's called Black Sheep. Um, and yeah, it's about cynicism and family and, you know, if you're fed up with your family, read this book for some perspective. (laughs) I am reading it right now. I'm about 30% into it. And like I mentioned with such sharp teeth, I'm really going to need you to stop stealing my therapist's notes (laughs) when you write these books. Yeah, I I feel like I've heard you talk about complicated family relationships before and I was like this is gonna be a tough one for her (laughs) yeah yeah and stuff she's going back to so I'm like "Hmm." yeah I wanted it to be a fun 
readable book. Like it is. Yeah, don't let don't listeners don't let me like dissuade you saying this is like super tough and emotional. It's not. Like I mean, it has depth and it is like I said touching on those things, but it's definitely readable. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it was like in terms of what something I was able to accomplish with such sharp teeth, which was to like tackle some deeper heavier topics but kind of wrap it up in a fun mm-hmm. like book that still had humor and was you know easy to read in terms of like to digest I think you definitely did that thanks I'm excited to hear what you think when you finish it <laughs> I will let you know this episode is brought to you by Libro FM Libro FM is the first and only company which lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 150,000 audiobooks, including bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers. You'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be part of a different story, one that supports community. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. Listen during your commute, while doing chores, walking the dog, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro FM app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from people who know audiobooks best. Booksellers. I mean, and us. We also have a playlist on there full of books that have been recommended on this podcast. Books in the Freezer special offer, you get two audiobooks for the price of one, just $14.99, with your first month of membership using code FREEZERBOOK. This offer is valid for new members in Canada and the United States. Thank you, Libro FM, for supporting the show. Well, should we talk about some books? Yeah, let's let's get into it. Let's get into our read-alikes. Okay. Do you want to kick it off? Sure. I'll start off with Mirror Image. And I will say, oh, listeners, we are going to be spoil. I, at least, I'm going to be spoiling these episodes, but they are, like, 50 years old. Like, yeah. Over 50 years old. So I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I feel like anyone listening would have to have an appreciation for the Twilight Zone, and they've probably already seen them. Yeah. Because that was the thing that was keeping me from making this episode was, like, <sighs> a lot of the Twilight Zone is, like, they have good premises, but, like, the episode is like a lot of it is in the twist like that is what makes the episode yeah. like memorable and stick so you have to talk about it you can't just you talk around it them, go pause this go subscribe to paramount plus i bet you get a seven day free trial <laughs> and binge them all and then come back precisely okay i'm kicking it off with mirror image and this is about a woman who is at a train station and she keeps having odd interactions um she discovers that there's another woman there who looks just like her and has her same suitcase an identical version of her and she meets a man there and she's kind of trying to like explain the situation to him but you can't like explain that situation to someone and sound same at all like that's not gonna happen so in the vein of doppelganger horror i did want to talk about the third hotel by laura vandenberg have you read this one i have not but i uh i'm a fan of hers and i i have her collection it's called what the world will look like when the water leaves us i think hers it's an amazing short story collection i highly recommend it um okay topic she's but she's a brilliant writer I have to check that out. I only know of her other one, the like, I hold a wolf by the ears or something like that. Yeah, that's her more recent one. Yeah. Okay. 
But this, I always think of this book when I watch this episode. And this is because it has this surreal quality. It's about a woman named Claire who's recently lost her husband and she goes to a horror film festival in his place and she becomes convinced that she sees him there. And she begins to chase him down and try to figure out like, what is this that I'm seeing? Like, you can't be my dead husband. And I think they make a good pair of one because they are both uh, horror about doppelgangers. Uh, They both kind of have this like, metaphysical angle that they go in um but i i loved the third hotel it really stayed with me and it really is this meditation on a woman going through this whole process about grief about marriage about her reflecting on her marriage and that it wasn't this perfect marriage which i think was very interesting i guess like coming to terms with like the honesty of how she felt about the situation and i think the story deals a lot with liminality and kind of being in this in-between place and as a new widow she's kind of in this new in-between place not single not married um and it's a book i i need to reread but i think about it all the time and i thought it made i mean a pretty obvious (laughs) pair with this just because of the subject matter but um that i thought should definitely be mentioned alongside a twilight zone episode and that is the third hotel by laura vandenberg all right, now I need to read that one. Um, but I think, and I think it's good to have obvious ones because <laughs> I say because I have obvious ones. Um, my first pick, I don't know if it's perfectly obvious, but I think it's a it's a pretty solid read alike. And I picked Nick of Time and Cabin at the End of the World by Paul Tremblay. And I'm starting with this one because um, this was the episode that was on at midnight this year during the marathon on New Year's Eve. Um, and I'd seen I'd seen it before, but maybe something about the fact that it was New Year's and the theme of choosing your own fate, it really it hit different this time. Um, and I think it really ties into Cabin at the End of the World um, because both are very tense and ominous, but beautifully written. And there are characters that you can root for and empathize with even if you don't really agree with them. I think the intruders in Cabin and um, Don, the husband of the newlywed couple, you can kind of see like they're doing this and they believe they're doing this. Like they're compelled by belief, but it's belief in the wrong thing. Um, And I think both come down to the theme of choosing your own fate and how do, how do you choose to live your life in spite of all of the unknowns and external circumstances? And then the danger of putting your faith in something outside of yourself. Um, so that's Nick of Time and Cabin at the End of the World by Paul Tremblay. I didn't know that that was the midnight pick this year. I'm very, <laughs> I'm very like fussy about the midnight pick because Living Doll was on at midnight from t- 2019 <laughs> to 2020. And I'm like that's a cursed episode and it was a cursed year. So when I think I'm very precious about the midnight episode and the fact that Nick of Time was the midnight episode and like it was the countdown as um, Pat, I think is the wife's name, is giving her monologue about like, you make your own fate and you choose your own happiness. Or I was like, yes, you do. (laughs) Then the clock struck midnight and it felt like magic. So yeah, Mm. a little bit fussy about the midnight episode. I always watch like 
holding my breath like please let it be one of the inspiring ones and not time enough at last (laughs) we're all gonna be cursed in the new year with that one okay my next pick is midnight sun and this episode we're in a world where the earth has started it's changed its orbit and it started to move towards the sun we follow the last two women left in their new york city apartment building We see that it's 110 degrees and getting hotter. We see a family is leaving. They're attempting to go to Toronto. We see them ward off an intruder and begin to fall ill from rising temperatures. Paintings begin to melt. Thermometers explode. And we reveal that this is a fever dream that Norma's having. And the doctor is in for one final house call as there is no more medicine because the Earth's orbit is moving away from the sun and it's getting colder and we look at a thermometer that's like negative 10 degrees there's like snow getting into the apartment and the doctor states that he's gonna try to move his family south to afford them more time i love this episode this is an episode i think of whenever i'm in any extreme temperature it's one of my favorite episodes too i think yeah just the moment where she wakes up where she's like wouldn't that be the worst thing to be like melting to be like so hot and she wakes up to this world where like everything is ice and just absolutely frozen i think also because i would always rather be too hot and my husband would rather be too cold yes I think so too. But this time when I rewatched it, I love how everyone is like angry at her paintings because she's she's painting what she sees and she's just painting this like giant sun with this like New York City landscape and her neighbor like takes a knife. She's like, you stupid sun. (laughs) Fuck the sun. I mean, in both cases, I guess it's really good. And it does such like great apocalyptic world building in like a 25 minute episode twice because you have two different like scenarios. Yeah. And the twist, I think, is just so, like, like once you know it, it's obvious. But, like, the first time you watch it, it's very, like, oh, it's actually cold. <laughs> Which is, like, oh, it doesn't seem like it would be satisfying when I say it now. But it's very satisfying. Um, so I do have a bit of an obvious pick for this one. <laughs> I went with Fever Dream by Samantha Schweblin. Um, This is a very short. Have you read this one? I have it, but I have not read it yet. Yeah, it's just a very short novel. And it essentially is um, a delirious woman in bed. She's having a fever dream and there's a young boy next to her. And she is just like recounting this fever dream to this boy. You know, it's very apt to the title. Um, And they're similar in, in those two instances. But also that you as the reader can kind of pick up on clues as to like what happened that led to this and it was one I really had to do digging on I will say it's not like super obvious it is one where I'm like so what what was this book about (laughs) what happened um but once you know and kind of go back and look through it 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 is really satisfying to see it all come together and you're like oh okay like that's that's what this is about but I this is another book I always think of in conjunction to this episode and I just think they make they make a good pair. I love the episode, so now I now I really want to read the book. I'm trying I'm trying to practice this thing where I I don't feel shame when I haven't read a book. Yeah. <laughs> and it's hard. But well, we shouldn't. I mean, 
we only have so much time. We can't read everything. I know. Tell me there's something worse than having to be like, oh, I've never read that one. (laughs) That's me like every episode where I'm like, I haven't read that one. I don't know that one. (laughs) Or like final girl songs. I'm like, huh, I'm not not familiar with that. (laughs) So speaking of fever dreamy, uh, I... I went bold and I went with Eye of the Beholder because I think it pairs very well with Catherine House by Elizabeth Thomas. Eye of the Beholder is one of the most famous episodes and I think it's one of the first ones I really remember watching and having it scare me because of the imagery. The pig people are pretty hard to forget. But I think before the monsters come in, well, I guess they're not monsters in that world, um, it's the episode is very eerie and atmospheric and understated, and I think there is a touch of that surreal, fever, dreamy quality, which is what informed my choice to pair it with Catherine House. Um, Catherine House is about an elusive, prestigious college, and throughout the book, we follow our protagonist, Inez, as she attends the school. And her curiosity prompts her to break the rules to explore some of its mysteries um, and suffer the consequences. Like in Eye of the Beholder, there's some sinister things happening under the surface and this ominous dread building. And we are firmly with our protagonist who doesn't quite fit in with her surroundings. And I think both the episode and the book explore themes of conformity and societal expectations and isolation and self-discovery. So Eye of the Beholder and Catherine House by Elizabeth Thomas. This one is a little bit more vibe heavy in terms of the wreck, the Rita-like wreck in terms, it's not like a a plot connection. It's more of a, a feeling and an atmosphere like that. Also, Catherine House is one of the summer scares picks this year. For I'm glad. I love that book. Yeah, I'm glad to see it. You know, find some new life. Yeah, I I really enjoyed that one too. I yeah, I have the Beholder. I think is one of the more iconic episodes because didn't like Ariana Grande use it in one of her music videos too. Like, she dressed up like the pig people. Okay, like she did the full makeup for um, Halloween one That's year. That's what it was, and that was the first time I was like. She could be like I'm not, not like a huge. I think she's very talented, but that was the first time where I was like, she could be cool. Yeah, maybe we could have like a conversation. And then Seven Rings came out, and I was like, we should be friends. <laughs> <laughs> I have tattoos. I like getting in trouble. <laughs> Take me to Tiffany's. <laughs> I do love Seven Rings. Okay, my next pick is Spur of the Moment. This is a season five episode. Um, In this episode, we see a woman riding around her property on the day of her rehearsal dinner, and she sees a menacing woman dressed in all black yelling at her and uh, begin to chase her. The young woman is very scared and rides back home to decompress and get ready for her rehearsal dinner. This is when her ex, David, barges in and asks her to reconsider the marriage. And we then we see that the old woman is Anne from the future and she is riding around trying to stop her and we see that she's like in a state she's an alcoholic now and that her husband has essentially lost all their money so she is 
seen her younger self and she is riding out trying to stop her. And then we go and see that on the day of the rehearsal dinner, she does run off with her with her ex-boyfriend, David, and that's who she marries. And then we see that he is the reason that she is like this. So every day she like gets upset and runs off to try to ward off her younger self for marrying the wrong man. I love that episode because you expect – because she's like her fiance – like her ex is like this like sweet – like like you can see the connection there and that – but like her fiance is like – because I think she like lives in a mansion and you know her father and her mother are very wealthy and like her fiance like fits into that world. And so you expect that like she like – continues she goes on goes through with the wedding to her you know well-to-do fiance and that's why she's unsatisfied because her old you know she's always thinking of her you know high school sweetheart or whatever but really she regrets her regret is the opposite of what you expect it's going to be yes and you're you know as a as a viewer like cheering it on to a certain point when she's like i She's like, oh, like, of course, like, this is what they expect. Like, I'm just like the perfect daughter. Like, they they arranged this whole thing for me. I have no room to do anything. And then you see her, like, run off with her ex-boyfriend. And it's this very, like, loving moment where she's like, I see you. I choose you. Like, I love you. And then when it flashes forward and he's there, he's like, remember, you said, like, I see you. I choose you. I love you. And she, that's when she screams and goes out running to warn her younger self. And she yeah. And she's just destined to, like make the same mistake over and over again brutal yeah but i was always like say something different because she's just like Anne, and then runs yeah Yeah. just like some subtlety please like you don't need to chase her down no i'm like this hasn't worked the few the few times you've done it let's try a different approach yeah try try a different approach like Uh, think about how your past self would deal with seeing your future self yeah. I think about it a lot. <laughs> Plan a real strategy <laughs> over if I ever got a time machine because you want to be prepared if the opportunity ever arises. That's true. I'm like, what would my future self say to me so that I would know that it's my future self? Yeah. You have to have a code word. You have to come in gentle, not screaming on horseback. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know that that would work with me. Like being tailed by someone, having them like flash their headlights at me would not be would not be yeah. the move. No, I know it's an urgent situation, but you have to play it cool. <laughs> That's the real lesson of the episode. <laughs> That's the real takeaway. So I am pairing this with "In the Dream House" by Carmen Maria Machado. Uh, oh wow, that is perfect. It's just a. Just her memoir, it's written in this very experimental style that I loved. The memoir is about a um, relationship she was in with a woman who was very abusive. And each chapter is looking at a different part of that relationship, and each chapter frames it in a different way. And there's all kinds of different storytelling techniques and different genres, like the chapters will have titles like dream house as confession dream house as stoner comedy dream house as lovecraftian horror and and it is her like really going through what this relationship meant to her and you see her kind of living out 
all of the different parts of it the parts where it was bad the parts where it was good the parts where they fell in love and you know the aftermath and like how she's dealing with that and I just think yeah a a perfect book for looking back on a relationship and really examining all the parts of it and a relationship that really changed you as a person Um, so that is In the Dream House by Carmen Maria Machado that's a perfect read alike and I have read that book but now I want to reread that book um so my next pick, and this was one of the ones where I, it was like nerd heaven for me because it, it's just so perfect. Um, Long Distance Call and Ghost Eaters by Clay McLeod Chapman. And this was the one that I was like, oh my God, that is perfect. It's so good. <laughs> Thanks, Clay, for the, for the easy, for the layup. Um, so on like the most basic level, what Long Distance Call and Ghost Eaters have in common is each piece a recently deceased loved one reaches out from beyond the grave in long distance call it's an overbearing grandmother through a toy telephone and in ghost eaters it's a friend slash ex-boyfriend communicating via a haunted drug i was thinking about it because like the plot you know that's like an easy connection to make but i think why the episode is so scary and why the book is so scary is in how they investigate the lingering effects of grief and how when you have a possessive or toxic person in your life, they continue to do damage even after they're gone. Like their influence lasts even after they're out of the picture. And I think that like... That, to me, is what really gets under my skin about both um, because both in, in both of these cases, the relationship between the, the person who dies and the person who's alive and suffering the consequences of their living with their ghost, like it was never a good, healthy relationship. And just how that transcends even death is, is pretty unnerving. Um, but it's Long Distance Call and Ghost Eaters by Clay McLeod Chapman. Such a good one. That was one I was watching with like my eight-year-old son and it was unnerving him. He was like, wait, so the grandma's telling him to go? Oh my gosh. Poor sweet like, baby. And I was like, oh man, the cycle continues. I re-traumatized them on the yeah. first, <laughs> first episode. But yeah, oh, thematically it works so well. What a great read like. Okay, my next one is Judgment Night. In this one, we see a man as a passenger on a boat, and he's suddenly overtaken by the idea that he's been there before and that something bad is going to happen. And then as time moves, he's kind of like, it's after one o'clock, like something something bad's going to happen. Like, I've, I've been here before, and he's trying to warn people that something bad's going to happen. And then it finally hits him. He's like, that U-boat is going to hit us. We need to get everybody off. We need to get out of here. And he starts kind of frantically trying to warn everybody. And then we learn that he was the captain of the U-boat that ordered the hit on this passenger ship that had like women and children. And this is a part of his purgatory that every night he wakes up on this ship knowing that something bad's going to happen and no one listens to him. And he essentially dies every night. 
and just watches this happen over and over again because he made the decision. Punishment fits the crime. <laughs> yeah. That was one that like blew my mind the first time I watched it. And also I would love, I know it would be really hard to write. I do have a, a short story rec for it, but time loop horror. I think it would be very tough to execute in a novel, but I love a time loop. I can't handle time loops because they stress me out so badly. There's like two things I can't handle and that's getting framed. Like I can't watch somebody get framed. It drives it like I cannot tolerate it. And then time loop. They stress me out too bad. However, I I do feel like if somebody could come up with like a clever time loop horror novel, I think if if executed right, that could be incredible. The closest I've come, it's not a horror novel, but Life After Life by Kate Atkinson. And that one is a, what is the word I'm looking for? Like in a video game where you like respawn. Yeah. Like that essentially. But it's like you see this character like wake up and she lives her life and she dies. And then she like, it starts over again at her birth. And you see her kind of like make a different decision, die, like start again at her birth. Huh. Um, and it takes place like during World War II. And you see that she's like destined to do like one specific thing. And you're kind of watching her do this loop until she like gets to do like what she needs to do. It's very interesting. It doesn't sound like it works. <laughs> But it works. I trust you. <laughs> so I went with the short story from Stephen King in Everything's Eventual. The story, that feeling, you can only say what it is in French. And in this story, we follow a woman who, much like the main character, is going on her second honeymoon with her husband. And she just has this feeling of dread. You see her kind of observing things and having knowledge of things like, I know that this is this and that there's going to be something up ahead and you see that she it's going to come to a gruesome end and that she's essentially just going to do this over and over again and it has the implication that there's like a purgatory hell kind of element to it as well i really like everything's eventual i don't know how like the greater stephen king sphere feels about that collection because I always feel like you know I'll listen to um, like the Losers Club or the King cast and I'm like oh Nightmares and Dreamscapes everyone loves this one and they're like this is one of his worst collections and I'm like oh okay <laughs> I thought we all loved this one I think that it's it's easy to assume consensus among King's works and then you're always surprised um, I mean everything's eventual has 1408 and um, what is the like hitchhiking werewolf one so i think it's got those two heavy hitters so i yeah. think people might like it more um but that is a short story that i thought paired perfectly well with judgment night that's that feeling you can only say what it is in french from everything's eventual by stephen king such a great title yeah it's always so long like i always get it like a few words off so i had to like literally open the book and see what it is <laughs> well speaking of great titles my next one, the Twilight Zone episode, is Death Ship, and my read-alike is This Thing Between Us by Gus Moreno. This is another one that it's more on vibes. <laughs> it kind of blends horror and sci-fi, and there's a mysterious, invisible 
evil force that's like fucking with our heroes and there's hope but there's no hope and there's this brutal confrontation of grief and the attempt to move on and keep going in the face of like unfathomable tragedy and both the episode and the book have a beautiful cerebral um just like very well executed story um but the parallels here are less about premise and plot and more about like the cycle of emotion that you go through reading the book and watching the episode and kind of the what you're forced yourself to confront when you interact with when you consume this art I don't know if I could have been more pretentious saying that but (laughs) have you read this book yes I loved it I recommend it to people and then they come back to me and they're like my heart is shattered but it was amazing (laughs) yeah every time I've mentioned it on the podcast I do mention yeah like that first part of the book is absolutely heartbreaking even as I was like flipping through it um to prep before an episode I was tearing up just looking at quotes that I had highlighted in the first chapter and the narrative is like in second person he's talking to his deceased wife and it just adds this layer of heart-wrenching it's like at the same time it's so scary and I think that's why death ship where it's just this kind of like feeling of because again you open up with this thing between us you know that our narrator's wife has died and I think with death so like you know something horrific has happened but like you also have the sense that it's not over and I think it's the same in death ship where you're like it's about um the episode astronauts who land on a planet and discover their own ship and their dead bodies in the ship and then they're basically just trying to figure out what the hell is going on and it's that thing where it's like okay Something bad has happened. We can see that. But like, like what could be worse than losing your wife or what could be worse than finding your own dead body and then knowing that there is something worse and you're going to find out what it is. Yeah. Um, so that's Death Ship and This Thing Between Us by Gus Moreno. That's a good one. There's a lot of Twilight episodes that just have this like sense of dread that it captures so well, like the sense of inevitability. And I think that's what makes them so watchable where it's like, I need to know what the bad thing is Mm -hmm. because not knowing what it is is worse. (laughs) My next one, I am going for a very popular episode. This was probably the next most mentioned. That is the Monsters Are Due on Maple Street. Perfect. So we see that Maple Street is a quiet street, quiet neighborhood, um, and then there's a darkness and what appears to be a meteor. Residents have their power affected. There's like a blackout throughout the neighborhood. Um, One of the children says he's heard stories of an alien invasion happening this way. And then paranoia begins to grip the town as certain residents have their power turned on. And they believe that they're the alien invaders. And we see that the residents begin to turn on each other as like paranoia sweeps through this town and it becomes this riot. And then we zoom out and see that this is all being done by aliens who are controlling the power 
in these neighborhoods and they've said that this happens every single time they run their experiment and like this is their plan to take over earth is just to do this one neighborhood at a time turn everybody on each other yeah so i do have again some obvious ones but i am going with good neighbors by Sarah Langan and White Smoke by Tiffany D. Jackson. Both of these books directly credit this episode as an inspiration. Both of these books like literally take place on Maple Street. So I felt like they had to be included. Um, Good Neighbors, I think, is the most similar plot-wise. That one, there's a sinkhole that happens and one of the neighbors loses a daughter in there and she begins to blame like this new family that came in about all kinds of stuff. And uh, we just see how the neighborhood begins to turn on each other. And it was such an interesting story. Like it, I really enjoyed getting the character study. And we also see like this neighbor has her own thing that she like overshared one night while drinking wine with her neighbors and now is like super self-conscious about it. And that's kind of what's fueling <laughs> this whole vendetta she has against people. It's just like a very interesting case study. Um, and then White Smoke by Tiffany D. Jackson is a YA novel that's kind of dealing with like very different things, but it's dealing with like gentrification and the effects of it. It's about this family. The mother gets this artist grant and with that grant, she gets a free house, a free place to live for her family. And it's a newly blended family. The house is kind of the only house on this street that this company has bought and they are gonna they're gonna renovate this whole street but right now it's just like they're done up like fixed up house and then just like this like cul-de-sac of just like empty dilapidated houses the main character the young girl who's kind of like left her home left her high school left all her friends and put into this new environment and kind of looking into like this company and what they're doing and why they're doing this and what their history is and what kind of other things they've been doing both were just very good stories in very different ways and it's just interesting to see how like two novels that both have like are pulling from the same source material can tell two very different stories so that is good neighbors by sarah langan and white smoke by tiffany d jackson i love that I love origin stories for books and and how art inspires art and yeah. different ways it can go. My next pick was another like nerdy layup, which is um, The Dummy and Curse of the Reaper by Brian McCauley. Um, it's such a perfect read. I like the book and episode just complement each other so well and deliver a similar message while both being wildly entertaining and terrifying in their own right. Um, both confront the entertainment industry for how ruthless and consuming and exploitative it can be for performers while also exploring substance abuse and mental health issues in that context. Um, throughout the episode and the book, we are left to wonder if it's all in our hero's head, um, if they're the source of their own suffering, or if there's an external evil at work. Um, and I think both question, what does it mean to give everything to your art? Um, and the dummy is probably another one of the most famous episodes, just again, because the imagery, the imagery of the ventriloquist dummy is, is pretty closely associated with the series. Um, so that's the dummy and Curse of the Reaper by Brian McCauley. Yeah, this was another one where 
I saw it and I was like, that is perfect. That if you've read the book, if you've watched the episode, you know that these are, I was going to say sibling energies, but like you get what I mean. Yeah. So I really like that. Okay. I'm going to end on one of my all times. It is The Hitchhiker. Yes. That's, to me, that episode scares me a whole lot. That is one of the ones that unnerves me the most. Yeah, I still like if I'm starting a a Twilight Zone rewatch, this is what I start with because everything about it is just so effective and it is such good storytelling and it does have that dread and unease. And even when you know, I mean, as I'm watching it and doing these rewatches, I know how it's going to end, obviously, and that does not stop it from absolutely getting under my skin. So we start out on this woman who is making this cross-country road trip by herself, and um, we follow her for a bit, and then we see that she kind of narrowly avoids an accident. I want to say it's on train tracks. Of course, this was not one of the ones that I rewatched, so uh, like the the details are escaping me. But I want to say she's like on train tracks, and she like barely makes it out, and she heads to a gas station, and she starts seeing this strange man hitchhiking on the side of the road. Kind of everywhere she goes, she sees the specter of this man like holding his thumb out and giving her like the creepiest smile. Like she's trying to outrun him, and just everywhere she goes, she sees him. So she um, she picks up a, a hitchhiker and t- is taking him. She eventually unnerves him too, where he's like, I can't even be in this car with you. I gotta, I gotta get out. Like you are... And she's like, please, I will pay you. I will literally pay you to (laughs) come with me. Um, And he does not take her on the offer. Um, So she she calls her mom and someone answers and says that her mother is not answering because she is distraught over the death of her daughter, which is her, who died in an accident while she was driving cross country. Nope. (laughs) You know what's weird? I just realized I drove cross country by myself once. I don't think I ever thought of this episode. If I did, I probably would have turned around. (laughs) Would have made it. Oh my gosh, I feel like that would be like at the top of my mind. I would be looking for like similar landmarks following me or something. Yeah, how did I not? How did I make it? I was. It was probably because I was like twenty-two and stressed out about other stuff. (laughs) There was other stuff top of mind that was not which Twilight Zone episode. Then maybe I would it would have come into my head, but damn, yeah. the The moral of the story is don't drive across country by yourself. I still like I get chills every time she makes that call, and the woman is like telling her like, "Well, her daughter died. She was driving, and she got into an accident. Like she's been distraught. She can't come to the phone right now." And it's I, like, if somebody. It's weird, though, because, like, her reaction is immediately, like, whore, like, accepts it. And I feel like if that happened to me, I'd be like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) You're like, well, I'm talking to you right now, aren't I? Like, put her on the phone. um, Hello? Put her on the phone and stop screwing with me. (laughs) I would have been very bratty about it. I would not have just, like, it. I feel like I would be a very bratty ghost. I feel like we need more of that. I love those memes that are like, why are ghosts always in Victorian clothes? Like, why don't any of them like wear 2000s garb and say like, it's Britney, bitch. Like, <laughs> why? <laughs> yeah, I mean, because I feel like a lot of these Twilight Zone episodes, they're like, you're in purgatory. I feel like if I was in purgatory, I'd be pretty sassy about it. I'd be like, I was just here last night. <laughs> so did you watch... Uh- 
happy death day because i feel like she kind of gets like that where she's like the time loop i love time loop movies and i think it stresses me out i think the deciding how i would have to get out of it is what stresses me out because i watched palm springs and they have to like and i'm like that stresses me out um i did watch palm springs and that's just that one was okay it's the same thing no not with framed I can't sit through a whole movie if somebody's framed. I can't deal with that injustice. I get really sad watching people get like scammed or get conned or like out of money, like when they don't have a lot of money. That always see for like... some like I my first thought is like like scammer some scammer stuff. I could like Lularoe, I could watch like the Firefest. I could watch. Yeah, I don't want to see someone's life get ruined, but like. You signing up for those leggings, like maybe you needed the reckoning about <laughs> your decision making skills. Oh, so I didn't even say what book I paired it with. Uh, so I paired Hitchhiker with I'm Thinking of Ending Things by Ian Reed. Oh, perfect. Which I will say, I know people have strong opinions on the movie, and I will say the book is a bit different. So even if you did not like the movie, I still think you should give the book a chance. It's a very good book. The movie is very different from the book. Yeah. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it either. It, it was definitely like, oh, this is making some different choices. Um, yeah. There were choices. Definitely yeah. at the end. But this one, we are following a woman who is in a car with her boyfriend driving in a snowstorm, and they are driving to meet his parents. Um, And it's first person, so you're – in her head as she's kind of describing how she feels about him and she says that she's thinking of ending things and you just get a lot of her feelings on this relationship and just kind of musings about life in general her and her boyfriend have a lot of deep like philosophical conversations and she's also getting calls on her phone leaving these very odd voicemails and the calls she's getting are from her own number like her own cell phone number leaving these threatening voicemails and if you're an audiobook person you have to do this one on audio like the production level is fantastic and I think the ending has another layer added to it with the audio production because this novel is so interesting it's very claustrophobic at parts and very disorienting at certain parts and I don't I, I just this is one of my all-time favorite books like I I love it I've read it I'm gonna say like two or three times we've listened to it on audio and I I cannot recommend it enough but I think I don't want to get too into it to spoil anything but I think it makes a perfect pair with this episode oh absolutely and you just have to read it yeah I think if people went in like if you go into it kind of knowing what to expect in terms of like this is a more like speculative, strange book that you're supposed to read for the atmosphere and for the quirkiness of it and not to get like clear answers. Like this is a book that you're going to – if you like to think about your books when you're done, like to ponder – then that's what you that's the kind of book it is. I think if you sign up thinking that it's gonna be a book that you get like a clean neat end, then oh, it's no. easy to be disappointed. Definitely. But 
perfect pairing. So that is I'm Thinking of Ending Things by Ian Reid. So my last pick is The Invaders and Anybody Home by Michael Seidlinger. Um, So they're both home invasion horror. Um, And this episode is one of the most memorable for me. And I think because of how stark it is, it kind of takes place in one location, but like a very sparse location. Um, And to me, it's a solid twist, though maybe it's obvious in retrospect. Um, And in the episode, uh, as in with all home invasion stories, fear is front and center and it explores vulnerability. And Anybody Home presents readers with a similar exploration of vulnerability um, and, like the invaders, delivers a pretty straightforward, fear-centric story that makes us question our own safety um, and our perception of safety. Um, And yeah, so that's The Invaders and Anybody Home by Michael Seidlinger. It's a really good pairing. I did. This was one that I rewatched as I was going through these these pigs, and it is such a good episode. And the fact that the the woman whose home is being invaded, there's no dialogue from her. It is just like this silent panic. Yeah, and I think who's the threat to who? Mm-hmm. Is, it makes a very interesting and just the like image of like a tiny astronaut holding a giant knife, right? <laughs> Are you? Am I? Like there's a or like the the weapon I, the tiny astronauts yeah, for some reason. I find very scary. I don't know why. I don't like tiny dangerous things. <laughs> um, yeah, and just the home invasion, the threat of of your space, and especially yeah. in 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 anybody home, it's from the perspective of the people invading. And in The Invaders, it's from the perspective of the person whose house is being invaded and just, like, this sense of, like, innocence that you experience kind of flipped in the episode and in the book from the perspective of the per Like, when you're watching the episode, your heart is with – and your perspective is with the woman. Yeah. And when you're reading the book, it's with the – perpetrators and that kind of interesting interesting dynamic um, and how it makes you think about how how safe your own environment is. I think it's interesting. That was my last read-alike, but I did have some short story collection recommendations that are full of speculative deliciousness if you are a fan of The Twilight Zone. And so... I'm going to rattle those off real quick. And that's Cursed Bunny by Bora Chung. She said Destroy by Nadia, Nadia Balkin. Um, and Friday Black by Nana Kwame Ajay Brenya. Have you ever read any of those collections? I have read some of She Said Destroy. Um, I know Jocelyn mentioned Friday Black, I want to say, for our job horror episode. Oh, yeah. One of the stories. Yeah. There's a, yeah. I think it's the title story yeah. about a kind of like step to the left world 
yes. Black Friday. Um, but that whole collection is, is is something else. I had two as well that kind of have general Twilight Zone vibes. And they were The Wilds by Julia Elliott. She also has a novel that I think is very Twilight Zone-y called uh, The New and Improved Romy Futch, where this like kind of down on his luck guy in Florida just signs up for a surgery that would like download all like the world's knowledge into his brain and he becomes like a super genius <laughs> just like what he does with that and he becomes obsessed with like hunting this specific boar it was just like a funny wild story that I think would fit this and uh, yeah her short story collection the wilds is very speculative and it does I think the opening story has like a similar like brain surgery one but it's in like a futuristic retirement home and then kind of an obvious answer but I read The Illustrated Man by Ray Bradbury who did write some Twilight Zone episodes so it it fits but it just has that like mid-century sci-fi feel and so many of the stories I'm like this could be a Twilight Zone episode like there's a, a story of like a room where like the walls change and kind of project things kind of like smart house like where she's watching like the bewitched like c'est la vie like performance that's a great reference <laughs> i can't believe yesterday was saint patrick's day and i did not listen to bewitched oh my gosh i missed opportunity or other decom luck of the irish <laughs> but there's like also a story of like um it's probably like the most chilling one in this collection where um, like a spacecraft explodes and you're following the astronauts as they're giving their last communications as they're like drifting away from each other in space and like them essentially coming to terms with like what's going to happen. They're like, well, I'm heading this way. It looks like I'm heading to Earth. So I have probably this much time left. You know, I have this much oxygen left. And then a chilling detail too is that sometimes their communication gets overtaken because someone is just screaming and they have to wait for them to stop screaming to like continue their conversation it's oh my gosh free floating in space is another list another on my list of no's yeah that's why i never watched gravity i have a long list of no thanks (laughs) gravity was like nominated for that academy award i said i don't care I will Nothing. not be participating in this. Yeah. Anxiety. I love you, Sandy, but <laughs> it's going to be a pass. All right. So, those are our Twilight Zone read alikes. If we missed any, if you have recommendations, I would love to hear other people's read alikes. Yeah, definitely give us read alikes. And I'm sorry we didn't mention, like, I know I got so many responses. You know, we didn't mention, like, I shot an arrow in the air, the howling man. Like, there's a ton. The Howling Man I thought of, and I thought of um, House of Hunger by Alexis Henderson, just kind of, but I wasn't sure if it was a close enough read-alike, but just the like being in a strange house and coming across what may or may not be evil. I don't know. That's another one that was like too heavy on vibes. I emailed you before and was like, how will you disown me if I say vibes? <laughs> 30,000 times and so I really tried to like pick episodes not just strictly on vibes and I think that pick might have been too vibe reliant I feel like that's totally fine though like I got stuck on like well this doesn't have this plot point so mm, mm, mm." or is it too obvious that these are both about fever dreams or is it too obvious that these are both about 
blah, blah, blah. You know, like I – it's it's all good. You just have to follow your heart at some point. <laughs> right. Well, one tradition we have on this podcast is to ask our guests what they've been enjoying in horror lately. So what is your chilling obsession? So I am currently reading, and I have to like make sure I get the title right. Um, the Trees Grew Because I Bled There, The Collected Stories from uh, Eric LaRocca. Um, and I just love this collection and I love these stories um and yeah I'm obsessed highly recommend what about you I'll have to check that out I saw Scream 6 last weekend I love Scream I had a really good time with it um and maybe it's just because I'm like so excited to get out of the house and go see just like (laughs) movies on my own that I am like the theater but I don't know this one really came through I think it was a big improvement on the last entry and I did enjoy it but I think this one just upped the ante in every way and I think gave us more characterization I think just really brought more in every way and I think stayed true to the story and took risks and paid homage which is like a tricky line to follow with Scream because so much of it is like tradition and like this always happens and you have to do this. So it's like tough to do that while also trying something new. And I really think this one succeeded. It was very violent um, and very gory. It just like really elevated everything. Not to be like, oh, I would not say this is like elevated horror. (laughs) horror. Um, But I just had such a good time with this. I was the dork that clapped when a character, like a legacy character came back and we saw like the back of them. I was like, (laughs) and I looked around. I'm like, just me. Okay. It's part of the theater experience to clap. So yeah, Scream 6 would be my chilling obsession. Did you watch the last one or this one? No, I haven't watched them. I've just fallen. It's one of those things that I've just fallen behind on and it's like, one day I'll catch up. <laughs> but, you know, when you fall far enough behind, that catching up seems overwhelming. That's what happened with The Bachelor. I was like a diehard. And then I dropped one season. And I'm like, well, now I don't know who's on Paradise. And now I'm not invested in who The Bachelor is or The Bachelorette. So I I had to quit. I, yeah. So I, I started watching because I had a roommate in my early 20s who would watch. And name was Tammy. Was she's fine? <laughs> she's in Texas. She's Rip Tammy. Happy. <laughs> um, but Tammy got me into The Bachelor. It's it got to be like addicting, where I would just be like, I called it my brain vacation, and on Monday night I would watch. And I don't know what happened to it, but it just wasn't as good anymore. Mm-hmm. And like, the couples don't last, which like, it's not a shocker that they don't last. Yeah. But I'm not trying to get. I get way too emotionally invested in everything. And I was like, this isn't brain vacation anymore. This is like torture. (laughs) So I quit. And now I need something else to fill the fluff void. (laughs) And I don't have it. I need something that I can melt my brain with. Just fluff and emptiness. So if you have any recommendations for that, please let me know. I'm desperate for something that I can that can just just make me completely like numb 
and like drooling and check for like two hours on a Monday night. That's fine with me. Just completely That's the check other out. Thing it was so long, and I you know wouldn't stay up to watch it, so I would have it on Hulu, and I'm like I have to find like two hours just to like catch mm-hmm. up, and then I was listening to like recap podcasts, and I'm like I. I'm not that no. interested to do this. This is apparently like a time commitment. Yeah. And it, the content, the quality is not, yeah, not there. there anymore. I do like Leads to watch. don't have the it factor. I no. I do like to watch hot people, hot young people, like, think they're suffering. <laughs> they're just like, oh, my gosh. I used to love Am I not good enough for anybody? It's like, honey. You're a straight 10. Like, you just need an attitude adjustment. I used to love the crying montage that they would do after the premiere where it's like, this season on, The Bachelor. Oh, I don't know why. It's like, when am I going to find my person? And they're like 23. I am not capable of being loved. Yeah. 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 I don't – yeah. Something about that just scratches an evil itch that I have. Two opposite ends of the spectrum, The Twilight Zone <laughs> and The Bachelor. Well, I used to listen to a podcast that I feel like would do these kind of very deep, like feminist philosophical talks on like, you know, this was brought up. And I think we should really talk about like how this franchise handles like blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you're giving these people too much credit. <laughs> um, but well, the second tradition that we have on this podcast is to ask our guests for a final girl song. I have to tell you I realized that you were going to ask this question like five minutes ago and I went into panic mode because I did not prepare because for some reason it didn't occur to me so now I have to really think about what it's going to be like what would be an appropriate Twilight Zone-y final girl song that's like funky and cool and a little bit eccentric like a Japanese breakfast song final girl song what do I want to pick for my twilight zone because I feel like I try in the past I've kind of like again I take my playlists very seriously (laughs) maybe maybe I'll go with um savage good boy by Japanese Breakfast. I think the video for that song has Christopher Moltisanti in it. Um, what's his name in real life? Uh, Michael Imperioli. Yes. And it's kind of like weird and like offbeat. And it could be a, a Twilight Zone episode. <laughs> um, and it's it's fun and it's dark and ironic and yeah so that's what i'm gonna pick savage good boy by japanese breakfast i don't think i know that i think i really recently started listening to them add that to the playlist see it's always like i don't know that one yeah it's like that thing where it's like well i've never seen the goonies and people like you've never seen the goonies and then you're just like i feel inadequate what have i been doing with my whole life or you're like, you know what? I'm never going to watch it at this point. My husband is that way where he's like, I've made it this long without watching whatever. Yeah. He's never going to watch it. Yeah, we have to let go of some things. There's too much content. 
Yeah. I mean, especially with books, like there's so many new books coming out every year and then balancing the things I have on my shelves and then the classics that I like need to should read. It's just a never ending tsunami of choices. It's a real struggle. But I will say I've heard a rumor that if you pre-order Black Sheep by Rachel Harrison, there's going to be like a pot of gold at the foot of your bed. Like it's just a rumor I've heard. But like I've heard that like maybe magical good things will happen to you and you'll be rewarded by the universe. Um, Again, I've just heard this. You know what? I've heard that that's true. And (laughs) I pre-ordered your book and I got a job that I interviewed for. So So, you know what? I think (laughs) the real moral of the story here. Is that I've turned into a used Carl Sands. <laughs> this is like those TikToks that are like, you have to save the sound. Like I saved the sound and like someone called me and I got like a thousand dollar check in the mail. Like you have yeah. to use the save the sound. I'm not above it. This is my fourth time. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it, I'm, I'm proud of the book. I think it's fun. So if you want to hit the pre-order button for Black Sheep, I'd appreciate it. I didn't come on this podcast to hawk my book. <laughs> I came on to talk about Twilight Zone. And thank you so much for having me. Listen, you are always welcome. And I was so happy to have this discussion with you. And yes, I i mean, I'm not done with Black Sheep yet, but I am having so much fun with it. It is one of those books where I'm like, oh, was it, is it time to read now? Is it like bedtime? <laughs> I'm like getting up early before work reading. Oh, I love to hear it. And I feel like we might have to do a part two of Twilight Zone read-alikes, depending on the reaction. Yeah, everyone's going to be like, I can't believe you didn't pick this book for this yeah. or <laughs> this. So yeah, this might be something we come back to. Yes. Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Twitter at Books Freezer Pod, on Instagram at Books in the Freezer, and on TikTok at Books in the Freezer. And you can send us an email at booksinthefreezer at gmail.com. A bit of an exciting announcement. And if you follow on social media, then you already know that we finally have podcast merch available. It's cool. It only took a few years, um, but it's through Tee Public. I'll try to have a link in the show notes. There's two designs right now. One of them is the podcast logo. And with Tee Public, you can put that on a variety of different things. It doesn't just have to be like a shirt or a sweater. You can get like stickers and pins and notebooks and onesies and all kinds of stuff. So check that out. Like I said, I will leave the link in the show notes. But yeah, very exciting. And a few people have already gotten them and tagged me in pictures and I love it. And if you're looking to support the podcast, there are a few ways to do that. One of them is to become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash books in the freezer. There are three tiers, three levels of support, like a one, a three and a five dollar level with different things offered at each tier. So if that sounds interesting to you, you can check that out at patreon.com slash books in the freezer, you know, things like early release episodes and group chats and movie nights. Um, So check that out. Also using affiliate links, uh, which will be included in the show notes, things like Amazon, Libro FM, and Fangoria. 
And if you're looking for a free way to support the podcast, it's as easy as talking about it on social media, sharing, posting, and leaving a review on a site like Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, I'm not familiar with like Stitcher and Podcatcher, but if they have the ability to rate on there, anything like that would help as well. So thank you to all of you who have taken the time to do that. I appreciate it. I'm Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at Lady underscore Ganya. That's L-A-D-Y underscore G-A-G-N-O-N or on Instagram at That's What She Read. And that is That's with two A's. As always, thank you and see you next time on Books in the Freezer.